Hello? Oh, good day to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well today. As am I. What's it like up there where you are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moist. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I'm really oh. noticing the moisture this year. You sound good. Thank you. Uh, even when it's cool out, it's still moist. It's, it's an aspect. But, you, you know, it, it gets to be kind of, kind of draining after a while. Do you grow anything in your, in your garden? Anything of note? <laughs> uh, the garden grows itself, by and large. Yeah. <laughs> Garbage and nasturtiums. Nasturtia. Yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of nasturtiums. They smell like pee-pee. They're kind of pretty for a while. It's pronounced inertia. It's hard to grow um, much food that I find palatable in San Francisco. Yes, I know. Email Dan. But, you know, if you get the Sunset Gardening book for this um, area... It's it's a lot of your, you know, kind of cabbage type things. Mm. We did that thing for a while where you get the uh, locally sourced produce delivered to your house. And it was it's just really depressing. I mean, what could be a more canonical analogy for something than like organic kale? I know kale's delicious, but it's uh, it's not fun. You can't you can't grow a tomato here. You probably could. Probably be a very liberal tomato. I was talking to Derek Powazic. Mm-hmm. about his tomato, his efforts in, in growing tomatoes. Does he do that in a, in a, like a window box? Well, he apparently... He's, he's in a... If he still were... Last place I visited him, he's in a much sunnier part of town. He, I guess where he lives now is some kind of a house, and he complains that it's too cold, so he's come up with some, like you said, some kind of a box, some kind of a shelter or enclosure or something where he's very excited about growing them. And he said that where I am here in Texas, he said you could simply throw a tomato into your backyard and it would grow a, a tree. So I may try that. It might be a Marquez story. <laughs> yeah. You might want to check that. It might turn I'll, into a large man with enormous wings. I will look into that. Have you hmm. seen, speaking of that, have you seen that Birdman uh, preview? The Birdman preview. Birdman first, of all, trailer. first of all, I want to stipulate, stipulate that I am not a gardener. My wife gardens and we've had raised beds and stuff. I don't want to say that you can't grow stuff in San Francisco. My wife visited a community garden the other day and they had totally crazy, awesome produce. So I, I, I just want to stipulate that, that for the level of energy I'm willing to commit to that in, in our untillable soil out back, it's, it's not good. I don't, the problem is, Dan, these gardening people, you don't want to get their dander up. Raised beds. Raised beds. I got a raised bed now, thanks to my Casper mattress. Nice. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. That was the longest read we ever did. It was a long, but you know what? Oh, did you see the, did you see the email about that? I don't know if they CC'd you on that. I don't think I CC'd on that. Apparently, um, people have been writing in to Casper telling them how effective the read was and they're so happy. What? And they've gone on to buy mattresses and they've actually gone to the trouble to email the people at Casper to say, I bought it because of uh, of this show. Hey, so. Benjamin, how nice is that? It's Isn't that a nice. lovely thing? Yeah. To do? There are so many lovely people. I want to talk about the Birdman, but um, whatever that is. Have you seen but, that? Michael Keaton? No. He's levitates but, or something. <clears throat> okay, we'll circle back to mine. I want to talk about gratitude. Um, Michael Keaton is Birdman. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, I'm... It's you haven't seen the tired. trailer? I have no idea what you're talking about, Dan. What what is what is Michael Keaton Birdman? Well, there is a there's a movie out and there is a mm-hmm. trailer to it. It's Birdman. It's not the same like that it's not the Space Ghost Birdman. The lawyer. Right, not him. That was a funny show. 
Yeah, it's not that. This is I'll put the I'm putting the link in the show notes. Show notes are going to be at five by five TV uh, slash B as in brothers. Two is in the number slash one uh, W is in women slash one eighty eight. That's where you can go to see this amazing trailer. And there's a website. And apparently Michael Keaton is some kind of washed up ex superhero actor. I don't really understand what it is, but it has uh, Emma Stone in it, which is enough to get me into the theater. So we'll see what happens. I will Google Emma Stone. Yeah. And so (laughs) you're telling me, oh, Emma Stone. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's dusky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Did you see the new Gwen, uh, Gwen Stacy comic? No, I haven't seen that. Okay. Write that down. We've got a lot to cover here. Okay. So. Michael Keaton, who I thought had stopped acting, but so now you mean he, he began acting poorly, or he stopped being in movies? He stopped realizing he was supposed to act. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like um, <laughs> it's like uh, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the flop house. Everybody should be listening to the flop house. I'll put that in show notes. We'll circle back to that. Okay. Uh, so you're telling me that that he is a, he's an, a, he used to be a superhero and uh, act, actor. They're doing Something a little like bit that. of like, uh, it's like the guy from Home Improvement in that Star Trek movie uh, with uh, Snape. Tool time. Where, tool, tool time. <laughs> and he talked to that guy with the eyes yes. over the fence. Yeah. That's that was a funny program. <laughs> Pam Anderson got her start, I think, as the tool time. Uh... Now, is that before Baywatch? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so. Before uh, she had my... all that makeup on. Mm, before Greg Land made her every superhero ever. <laughs> Nobody will ever notice this. No. Unless you put the two pictures side by side. <laughs> you know what? Put that on the list of things to not get me started about. Okay. Greg Land. All due respect. Rob Liefeld. Put Rob Liefeld on the list too. Um, so Four Michael- times you guys have seen the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy now? Mm-hmm. Wait, we're circling back to something I'm else? sorry. I'm just, I'm jumping. Good morning. I, um, let's see. Oh, I should drink the rest of this coffee. Yeah. Do I really sound better? Yeah, you sound so much better. Tight, very tight. Tight. I, I'm still trying to figure out the settings. I went with presence. Just, okay. just so people know, this is now my third mic <laughs> in something like four weeks that I'm trying. Um, I also want to just say, so we'll circle back to this, but I'm pretty sure they're making the trains louder. I don't think it's me. I think they're, <laughs> you know, like when you're a little kid, you put the, uh, put the, put the, uh, the, you know, the baseball card into your spokes. Yes, I've seen that. Like that? Mm-hmm. I think they're doing that, but it's with a large Italian train. So I got this uh, Sure SMB set up, and it's going from XLR, right? Yeah, the SM7B. Great mic. I got it with the presence setting on the butt going XLR to the PreSonus Audio Box 2.2 VSL. Yep. I got the 48V turned off. And I think I hope I've got the mix right. I don't know if I I'm, I tried to fix the mix so that I'm not too loud in my cans, <laughs> my cans. But I might be too loud there. Am I too loud? No, you sound really good. Perfect. What happens if I hit 48V? I get phantom power. Yeah, you don't need phantom power with that. To be in a movie with uh, Jennifer Connelly. Am I thinking of Rocket Man? <laughs> Is that the Elton John song? What am I thinking of? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Oh my god! So he's a Birdman who used to be an actor. Are you listening to the Flophouse? Uh, not right now. I'm doing uh, doing a show. That's a really good thing. You know, that's the thing about a podcast is you shouldn't listen to it while you're recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tell that to Jad Abumrod. Yeah. Podcast. Hmm. They had a funny read on uh, This American Life this week. 
where it was for some place that delivers artisanal snacks to your house. Okay. And they, they two different times, the guy, the guy who most sounds, you know how like everybody sounds like Ira Glass? <laughs> All the men, right? All men. Yeah, it's like a Jamie <laughs> Madrox thing. Who am I thinking of? Um, yeah, you got multiple Iras. And there's the one guy on there who, who really sounds like him, but a little more nasal. And he had, to, he had to do a read, an ad read, as we say in the business, where I think, I think he had to say something like peanut butter ding-dongs twice. <laughs> it might have been peanut butter nom-noms. But he said it twice, and it made my skin crawl. I was in the shower, so I really noticed it. I kind of feel like we should start over, Dan. Let's do it. Uh, um, Birdman, why is my phone buzzing? Um, okay. Man, this is a t- I'm having a tough morning, Dan. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I liked, uh, I liked Michael Keaton and stuff. I loved him in um, that movie with the Fonz and uh, the one who's not Terry Gar, the other one, where she kept her money in a coffee can. Remember that movie? Yeah, I think you're thinking of Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice is, that's, that's the one with Alec Baldwin, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Young, a young Alec Baldwin. Oh, and he was the guy with the makeup. Yes, yes. That was good. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton and him seem to have a special acting relationship. Well, until he found Johnny Depp. Oh, oh, that's true. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. He he really likes Hunter S. Thompson, I think. He's kind of, he seems kind of obsessed. Yeah. He's like oh, he's like the new James Franco. It's hard to understand. <laughs> yeah. You know he's smart, but you're still kind of like, what's up with that? Um, Gonzo I, journalism. That was a really good night shift. On the night shift. Remember that? Oh, my gosh, yeah, where he always was listening to Jumpin' Jack Flash in his headphones. Radical, Chuck, radical. <laughs> Remember to Starkist. Feed mayonnaise to tuna. To tuna, yeah. That was a very... I, I remember that being a very funny movie. It was ahead of its time. It was literally ahead of its time. They had an Apple uh, an Apple two or an Apple three that they eventually upgraded to to manage their business. Is that right? And yeah. they were using like spreadsheets for that. Before, mm-hmm. before they had spreadsheets, they called it uh, cell calc. <laughs> yeah. Mitch Capel. It's a great movie, and he learned lots going on in California. The Fonz sure. learned how to not be afraid in that after he had oh, the uh, the hose true. put in his mouth. Oh, that was awful! And I think uh, Joe Spinell was in that. That guy who's the actor in all his movies, Frank Spinell. Who am I thinking of? We may have really crossed a line mm-hmm. at minute ten. Oh my god, we've only been doing this for ten minutes. Does it feel longer? It feels. Um, you know, they say it's not the length of the minutes. It's how you use them. Yeah. I'm not too loud. Are you sure? If, what happens no, if you have 48V? Do I need, do I need phantom power? No, not on that mic. Now here's the thing. It sounds fine in my cans, but it outputs only to the left channel because I only got one XLR going into the input. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got I got to fix that in post, but it sounds okay on your end, right? Yeah. You're mono on this end. Do you like this mic better? Way better. Significantly better because okay. you're, it's very tight. It is. It's a real tight sound. I got the presence turned up on the butt. Tell me when the train goes by, because I predict we will not hear it. Is that a sound bite or is that real? No, that was it. That was it. I'm given to believe that some people are trying to triangulate where I am. By no, they are. Going. No, they totally are. The live that's, listeners can do that. Wow, that's actually uh, intensely creepy. Uh, kudos. Tell me about the Gwen Stacy comic book. I bought it. I just barely started it, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's an alternate, alternative, alternate. It shouldn't be alternate. Alternate means every other. It's a it's a it's a multiverse idea that it is Gwen who got bitten by the spider and gets the spider powers, and it's called something like Secrets of the Spider Verse or something like that. 
Uh, and it looks really good. It looks it looks super cool. She has a really cool costume, and it's neat. I'm really looking forward to that Batgirl. That's gonna be coming up pretty soon. Have you been reading about that? The Cameron Stewart Batgirl. Ah, uh-uh. oh, it's gonna be really cool. Go uh, go hit your Alta Vista for uh, Cameron Stewart Batgirl, and uh, that's gonna be good. Uh, I had two really nice things happen this week, um, and I don't know. It's weird to talk about stuff, but like uh, two two really nice surprising things. Uh, my friend Dan on the internet, my other friend Dan on the internet, did this thing. For I don't have no, I have no idea why he did this, but I want to say that he did this and it was really nice. Which he said to people, "Hey, you know, I like this stuff Merlin does. If you like it, help me buy him this outrageously overpriced thing that he wants on Amazon." And I think I think he did it. I think he raised money to buy this. So he's buying me this like ten volume slipcase seventy fifth anniversary Marvel, like Marvel Masterworks for a whole bunch of the books in hardcover. In a little uh, in a little case that, that makes up makes a picture, I can put that in show notes. But isn't that a sweet thing to do? Really nice. It was very costly, and I, I didn't retweet it or anything because that would be pretty creepy. You know, hey guys, hey guys, you know what I need? I need a present. I See, I saw it, and I was I was worried because I he he sent it to me and said, "Look, I'm doing this thing for Merlin," and I thought, yeah. you know, I know Merlin does not. He's not the kind of person. Who would want to publicize, as you just said, would want to publish? And I and I felt I felt conflicted because I thought, well, if I tweet it, then yeah. what if Merlin like doesn't has it already, or you know, like I didn't. Or we're still. What if absolutely nobody decides to donate to oh, it? Yeah. What a stunning indictment! I sent it to you in the dingus, uh, and you can put that in the notes. It's really pretty. That. But I just want to say to to Dan, aka Nerd. Dot is. I never know how to say people's funny internet names, but uh, but I want to say to Dan, thank you very much. He's been a, he's been a really good friend um, on the internet, and that was very sweet of him to do. You sure I don't need fan and power? Am I coming through? Okay, yeah, it's good. Okay, and also um, I I, I, uh, I will want to semi publicize something, by which I mean I'll, I'll publicize it. But I was in the, I was in the two cat com- two cats comics the other day, and you know what? I walked in. And, you know, I found my pull list on hold for a while because I've been spending too much money there. And they said, oh, there is something for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. This is, this is not bragging. This is thanking. They said, somebody was in here today. They heard about Two Cats Comics on West Portal Avenue in San Francisco from you talking about it a lot. They were visiting from Australia and they came in and they came to the store. Just because just they were in town, they came to Two Cats Comics. How sweet is that? That's really cool. And again, they got me a gift certificate. Isn't that nice? Oh my gosh. I don't really have a place. I don't have a place to talk about these things. So I should probably get a podcast, but I just wanted to, I don't have the name in front of me. I apologize. But the, isn't that a nice thing to do? Australia. I don't think we even have comics in Australia. They have not raised their goal yet for the thank you Merlin man thing. Well, I think it's, re, I looked at it for the first time today. I think it's, it's reached the, the price of what it costs. It doesn't actually, that's the less the retail price. Oh, right. Well, he has a goal and the, I will, I will make sure no. that the goal is uh, done if it doesn't happen by the end of the but I just want to say that. And so here's the thing I want to publicize. I want to get back to Michael Keaton and Birdman. Uh, but uh, also this week, this week, this Thursday, the 20 diggity fifth, the 25th, we're going to have the fifth ungainly X-Man comic meetup at Two Cats Comics, West Portal Avenue. That's in show notes. You can find uh, a page with information about that. But come on out Thursday night to West Portal. Take the uh, light rail. Come on out. And it, you know, it's not really about comics. It's just about hanging out and saying hi and then getting a drink. But you can come to Two Cats Comics and then we'll go to the, the funny little Irish bar next door afterward. That's, you know, that's the MacGuffin. Comics is the MacGuffin. But, but you, you come in and we hang out and uh, we look at the Amy Pond uh, collectibles and then we go have a drink. It's a lot of fun. So I wanted to say that. Uh, yeah, so you can go to MerlinM.com slash meetup 
for info on that. And it's a regular-ish thing we do, which is just an excuse for me to meet people in the area and say hi. Got kind of a, a core group of fun people that come to that. And then some people who wander in and act like they don't know what it is, and it's kind of weird. Because you got to draw them out, you know? You ever draw people out, Dan? Like, uh, like the gophers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't even need a reason. <laughs> Somebody, um, I was listening to one of the uh, jackals on, shoot, what's the website? Better know a jackal? Yeah. Jackals.us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, and the jackal said something <laughs> that I thought was, you know, the, the jackal is frustrated because the jackal is a fan of our program. Thank you, jackal. But the jackal is also confused because of all the references we make to things that, uh, that he or she doesn't uh, know. Oh, do you, do you think we should make more effort to, to maybe not on the program, but you know, should we revive the wiki? Should yeah, we, uh, we should do Should something. we have a think piece on Medium? I think so. Am I wrong? No. Um, no, I, th- I don't know. We've talked about like a lexicon of, uh, of that. Oh, a, a, a codec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An, an, an Enchiridion. An Enchiridion, yeah. if you will. <laughs> we, do, we set something like that up. Yeah. It's you know, but it's uh, all right. I'm, I'm I closed up the uh, the thing, so you're you're good. They made the goal now. What did you spend money? Yeah, I just spent some money. Oh man, I didn't even have my phantom power on. Or it's really uh, close now. It's really close. Uh, should I install Soundflower? Do you think? No. Why? Why is it? Is it not to get it, sounds, it in both? It all ears? sounds okay. It sounds yeah, all right. It sounds really good. Kind of loud in my cans. <laughs> um. So I wanted to mention that. Yeah. Dan, Dan, you have a metric ass ton of sponsors. Is there anything you'd like to tell me about? Uh, I will. Yes, I can tell you about the the smile folks. Crack open a quarter of the ass ton. Start with them. I mean, why not? They're they've been here for the long haul. And uh, I'm going to tell you about Smile's uh, so, uh, really amazing software called PDF Pen Scan Plus. This gives you OCR from your iPhone and your iPad, and it's been updated. You can scan directly from your iPhone or your iPad camera. So basically. There's a document. You're sitting in front of this document. You're like, well, I want this. I want, but I want this digitally. I don't want this paper. Are you crazy? I don't deal with paper. So you hold your phone over this and you hit the button and it scans it in and it does OCR. It turns it into a document that is then editable. You can do, you can fill it out. You can edit it. You can convert it. All of this stuff. And they do batch scanning now because they have post-process image editing. So you can do, you can do, it's, you know, there's this thing, whenever you take a picture of this, it handles the edges, it crops it in. You know what I mean? Like all these little details of like, well, it's not going to be centered. It's not, the OCR isn't going to, no, they do all of that. And after the OCR is done, you preview the results and you can copy that text. You can use it elsewhere. You can share the scanned PDFs, all of this stuff. You can email it, upload it to the cloud, whatever you want to do. And it's universal. So it's going to work on the iPhone. It's going to work on the iPad. It's available in the app store. And uh, you can even do little things like custom paper sizes, right? You can scan in a receipt if you're on a trip and you've got to expense the thing. All of this stuff is built in and, uh, and they're working on uh, 1.4. So what this is going to have is auto export. So you do a new scan, it'll automatically export it like right into your Dropbox, put it into iCloud. All this stuff is so cool. So anyway... Uh, oh, and by the way, these are the same people who do text expander and they've got the custom mm-hmm. keyboard in iOS eight. I got so, that in notes here. That's going to be a freebie. So go to smilesoftware.com slash B two W and uh, you can learn more there. Thank you very much to the folks at smile for making this show possible. Great stuff there. They keep, keep adding new stuff. Uh, this is really great. Yeah, totally. 
Um, Dan, while you were uh, doing that excellent read for Small Software, I went to, uh, did a little research. I've added pe- peanut butter nom noms to the show notes, so you can go read about those. Okay. Isn't that kind of undignified, though, having to say pe- peanut butter nom noms? I, no, I mean, I like it. I'm doing it in a series of air quotes, and I still feel a little sticky. Might be the moisture. It's very moist here. Gwen Stacy. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk just a little bit about a couple of the things that people probably know about on iOS 8 that I'm finding very um, immediately useful. Is that, is that too much like productivity? No, not at all. I, I actually think it would be a really cool topic. And you're on, you have a, is it a 5 or a 5S that you have? I forgot. 5S. Okay, I'm on the 5S also. And we replaced the toilet phone, my wife's toilet phone with a, with a 6. So I have had some hands-on experience with the, with the 6. It looks great. It looks really great. You got to be careful with the bending on the plus. Did you see that? No. You seen the bending problem? No. It's going to be bend gate, they're going to call it. What, it, what but, happens? Well, you sit on it and it bends. It, does, it doesn't break, it bends. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a, like, like a you know, easily influenced uh, blogger. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm looking at this. Hmm. I've Go to... Uh, slightly bent the, after two days, Mac Rumors. Sli- Mac, Mac Rumors, slightly bent, <gasps> you know? I don't oh, have a dog that. in this fight, but uh, wouldn't that drive you nuts? Oh. You, you already got the camera thing sticking out. Ugh. Look at this. I, I, There's pictures of it bent right here. I don't understand people, Dan. You know, when everybody was, was, was you know, blowing their wad about the five and the way it's shaped and how it looked like, you know, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing in the world. It looks like something a German made in the 60s. Oh my gosh, Johnny Ive. Oh, you know, everybody was so excited. And now everybody's really turned on that. And they're like, oh no, I like this curvy thing better. And the curvy thing looks nice. I mean, I'll, I'll get one of those eventually, but I still really like the way my 5S feels. I do too. I, I'm really... I like the, I like the, the square-ish edges. Mm. You know what I mean? No, I totally do. And, you know, I've become accustomed to it. I like holding it. It's great to, if you're going to take a photo, the edges are really nice to do that. I am definitely a little worried that, uh, that if I were to have, or when I get a 6S uh, probably... That it will, it's the slippage will be a problem. I really like the shape of the 5S that I have. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very, very impressed by by the fit and finish of the 6 and the way that the screen and the the curved edges all just fit together. The screen looks great. But as far as the size and the shape and the feel, I think I like the 5S a lot better. And I have no, at this point, I'm going to keep running with it. I, I don't, I'm not, not interested in the upgrade right now. Yeah, my wife has a 4S, and I would love to upgrade that for her at some point. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, if only someone would talk about the iPhone. Um, you were you had a nice uh, run of tweets going there for a while. It's easy. You just hit unfollow. Yeah. It's so simple. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, you know what else? <clears throat> One other thing, uh, self-promotion. Um, for, for a couple reasons. The, the latest episode of Roderick on the Line, uh, episode 125, all the great shows. Um, great rec- episode. Really, really good Did one. Did you actually listen to of it? Of course, I always listen to it. You know where to find to it? it and, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you can guess. The, Crack the- me up. That was the best. He's the best. <laughs> Kitten killer and a Holocaust denier. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it was he, that was funny, but the, the just... The way he told that story, 
Oh, the Dan Harmon stuff? Yeah, because I saw Dan Harmon there. I was, I, un, unlike, I was not introduced to, to Dan Harmon, but uh, it just, you feel it. You feel everything the way, oh man, what a great, that I actually feel like, it, because that's a show, if you think this is a hard show to, to sort of jump into, that show, mm-hmm. that particular, I think, my, you're going to have to run with this. No, I'm, I'm already with you. But that's, I, I that's the show for people to listen to. And the second half is kind of like a back-to-work episode, which will make it palatable if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> that's right. No, but I, I was going to recommend it because first, I mean, the, just to get it out, the, the two reasons. One is that last week we heard on this program, we heard Dan tell his story of meeting John Roderick. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you complimented me a lot. And then on this episode, uh, John complimented me a lot. And we hear the story of him meeting you. And apparently he really liked you. That's what it seems like. That's a black swan, Dan. I don't know. I don't, you know, when, when he someone, didn't pun- he didn't punch you at all. No. Super weird. Uh, maybe it's cause he was injured. Maybe it's because he would fix the button of his suit. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think that, you know, when someone says something nice about it, you, don't question it. So that's how I'm going with this. He was very, you know, he could have said so many awful things about the way the day went and he chose to say the nice things. So I'm very happy about that. Well, give him a few weeks. Sometimes it takes him a while to really unpack them. <laughs> right. The things they didn't like, didn't like where the chair is. Right. <laughs> but um, I, I would say episode 125, all the great shows. I like this episode a lot, and I agree with you. I don't know if it's uh, emblematic of what a typical Roderick on the Line episode is like, but John's story of being introduced oh, backstage God. against his will to Dan Harmon is, <laughs> if you know John from the show or from, it's you can really feel yourself in the room in pain with John. Uh, having an experience that probably could have gone a little better. Oh man, because who hasn't been there? Who hasn't been there for a, in Everyone. a situation like that? Oh my Everyone God. Everyone has, that's gotta be second saying, nice to meet you, big fan. That's gotta be second to, oh, you're pregnant in the like, oh my God, how did those words come out of my mouth competition? <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> when do you do? <laughs> when am I due for what? Yeah. Uh, and so you can get that in show notes. Already and, there. Um, we talk about presentations and performance, and I get a little rant in. But John, uh, John's John's John. He's special. I like that guy. Do you want to talk about? Can I mention a couple things? Maybe you can tell some too. I don't know. I don't really have anything. Oh, big topics. Go ahead. Did you have big it. topics? I uh, I've been trying to think about a few, and I have some ideas. But let's yeah, let's start with uh, with what you've got. We can do. Well, you want to you want to you want to run them up the flagpole? We're gonna need to get a flagpole. I can still hear the train, I think. See, I, 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 should I turn on? I should probably turn on the phantom power and maybe turn off the presence. Turn off the presence. Okay, so I should flip the dingus on the butt. Yeah, I guess. It's hard to do. Yeah. I think I need longer nails or something. Oh, my daughter's starting to play guitar. Okay, wait. So you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I taught my daughter, taught my daughter the A5 chord. Four times now. Four times. I mean, I think that's cool. That's enough probably now. Oh, oh that's definitely enough. We left early. We left early. Um, she wanted to go buy a sweater, so we uh, we left uh, early. But uh, boy, what a what a delightful movie! But still, the, the whole scene in the prison with the prison break mm-hmm. is is one of my favorite scenes in in a very long time. With Groot in the background, that just it still kills me every time. But uh, it's a good movie. There's a lot of killing in it, but mm-hmm. you know. <sighs> I have uh, well, one of the topics that I had, which is more on the productivity side. Mm. Um, is that uh, my six-year-old is in the process of seeing the uh, three n- newer Star Wars films. 
Oh, I see. This I is more of, a life, more of a life hack. I saw your struggle. I know how to fix it, but I can't really help you on air with that. No, I already, I already did fix it. it was, but you it's, already got it, got it sorted, as we say? Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a productivity-related... I don't know if we want to, you know... Productivity regarding why you don't like Blu-ray? Why I don't like Blu-ray and DVD and process and computer and how things can become incredibly complicated and overly complicated with something that should be relatively easy. And I, I as I was going through this whole process of which I, I can describe in. Let's rel- go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk about it. We'll come back to iOS uh, tips and tricks. Okay. So, so, so Cash has finally, at long last, decided that he <laughs> is ready to sit down. And watch some Star Wars movies. He saw, yeah, he's seen the, what, what I will call the first, even though chronologically speaking, release date, they were the first, but they take place, of course, in the middle. He saw the original three Star Wars movies and loves them. And, you know, I think his favorite right now is Empire, but he's, he's starting to get more interested in the Ewok related. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to push him back toward Empire, away from the Ewoks, back into... But he 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 really is into these. And his gateway drug for these was the Star Wars Lego game on, uh, on the iPad. And he will see something in the movie and he'll turn to me and be like, this was in my game! Because apparently in the game, the, a lot of the cut scenes and things like that are scenes from the movie. And so they'll have... Okay, he, you know, you need to go and here's the cut scene, and then you need uh, to go through this thing that happened in the movie. You play through it in the Lego game, and it's fun. It's a great game. Can I ask a question? Yeah, we've got the uh, Harry Potter game, same thing for Lego. And so, like, do the characters not talk? Do they do that cute thing where they go? Mur, 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 yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So similar thing. So they'll, so you'll see this as a scene from the movie. Now. Exactly. Okay, exactly cool. right. So he loves this game, and this kind of got him interested. He's like. These are movies or something, right? And I'm like, yes, son, they're movies that you should see because I think you will really like them. And he does; he really likes them. And that, but of course, the Lego uh, is the Lego game is a complete series. So there's all these other. He's like, who's Anakin? You know, like what is who is this other princess that's not Princess Leia? Like who are who's General Grievous? Like what is all this <laughs> stuff? I said, well, these are other Star Wars movies. I'm not going to lie to them. Uh, so I, you know, like John Syracuse, I think, wants the movies to not be there at all. And he's not letting his kids watch them, that kind of thing. He's very specific about it. He has them and they're there, but he's not bringing them out. He's not, it's a, it's a lie of omission, as John Syracuse would say. Yeah. They're there, but he's not like saying, oh, look over there. They're Star Wars movies, quote unquote. Yeah. I, I felt like he asked, he was asking enough questions and he, what he did really was he just wore me down by asking so many questions about all of these other characters, most of which I, I couldn't even remember because the movies, I tried to put them out of my mind as quickly as possible. So uh, I said, okay, you know what? You've been asking enough for, for months now. I'll just, I'll get these movies and you can see them. Because I'm, I'm in my memory, the third of the newer movies has, you know, more of a spoiler alert, Anakin turning to the dark side and becoming Darth Vader and all the good stuff that happens that leads us. And I, I remember the third one of those more positively than the first two. I said, fine. Me too. I'll, I'll just, Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a, I'm. Glad to hear that. So it's I, not it's not a fantastic movie, but it's the closest I think of those three movies. It's absolutely the closest of being the movie that it wanted to be. It's far from mm-hmm. perfect, but like it's a damn sight better than one and two. Okay, well, I, I said I'll go and I'll buy these. So firstly, of course, you look on um, you look on where can they be streamed anywhere? The answer is no. Okay, 
So can I get them on Amazon? They're very expensive on Amazon and the non-Blu-ray ones like have to go to third-party sellers that then they're used or weird things like that. I said, all right. Then a lot of people on Twitter were saying, oh, go to the library uh, and, and you can get them You can get them from the library. <laughs> yeah. Can you even imagine what those have been through? Ugh. God. <laughs> oh, God. Anybody can come just get them. Ugh. <laughs> Talk about community. So, uh, so I, I said, uh, I said, no, I, you know, that not for me. So uh, then some other people said, oh, you can find them like in the bargain bin at uh, target or something like that. So I went, I went, we had to go to target anyway. So, uh, I went, we went to target and there, there, I couldn't find them. And then, uh, my son comes up and says, oh, here they are. And he found them. And it was, you know, th- there is a, it's, it's comes with DVD and Blu-ray, some future proof. And uh, it was like $40, which seemed it on the one hand, it seems like a lot of money for almost anything. Uh, is that for all three? It was for all three. Okay. And for something that I really don't approve of and don't want to get and don't really want him to see. And, you know, but I said, you know what? This is for my son's education. So I bought them. That's and an investment. It is. And so check this out. This is where it starts to get weird. I've already bought this stuff. Now I'm, I, I've done the right thing. I didn't steal it. I didn't download it in a legal way. I didn't go to get the Russian version. You know what I'm saying? Like I went to a store and I bought DVDs the right way. And George Lucas would approve of this. And so I said, you know what? In my garage, I have a Sylvania DVD player sitting there that I bought because he wanted to see, um, Interstellar four five, which you also couldn't stream and couldn't. I had to buy the DVD of it, so I bought the DVD for for seventeen dollars, and then I bought a DVD player for I think it was about thirty dollars. <laughs> it's a Sylvania DVD player that I used, and it basically it you know you put the DVD of Interstellar four five into it, and you just put tape over it because it's never coming out. It's that's what it is. If you want to watch this movie, it's on the DVD player. Switch the input, play. So I took this thing out of the garage and I put it in and I put the DVD, the Star Wars Episode One, the Anakin one, put that in. It would not play. It did just blue screen and a Sylvania logo and it says bad disc. And so I said, okay, the Sylvania player has died in the garage, but it would play the other DVD just fine. I said, okay, it's something else. So I have on, I have my Plex machine at home as a little Mac mini, an older Mac mini. I put the DVD in there, it would not play it, would not read it, could not rip hmm. it. That's very weird. Why would it not do that? So I tried this actually on another Mac and same problem. So I remembered that here at work I had bought for uh, when I made the transition to a MacBook Air, I bought one of those little external uh, DVD ROMs, the Apple ones, the ridiculously expensive Apple ones. So I got that and plugged it into my MacBook Air and that could read it and could play it and did let me handbrake it so that I could put it on my own Plex machine and, and, and play it at home. But how weird is that, that you can spend 45 bucks on DVDs from a straightforward store and they just simply don't work? And I Googled this and there's lots of people who have this problem, that it just doesn't work in lots of DVD players. Is it, you know, and this DVD player is only less than a year old. I know yeah. it was a cheap one, but it's less than a year old. And this just made me think that these things that, that we really want to do uh, that we'd go through and do the right way. I bought a DVD and I put it into my DVD player and I played it and it didn't play. And this is a common enough thing that there's hundreds of messages about this on the message boards on the internet. Like, that's just crazy to me. That, what, do you think the, what do you think the failing is? 
I, I'm sure that it has to do with the copy protection on on the DVDs. Okay. Uh, but, you know, like this, I'm doing everything right, you know, like I'm going through the proper channels. I'm not trying to, to get a circumvent anything. I'm spending money. And I just really don't get it. I really don't understand why this is such a, such a thing. Like, why? Like, I'm, I'm confounded by it. Hmm. Ponderous. Yeah. Well, I think the answer is, if that's the cause of it, I think the answer is easy, which is they... Mm, geez, I don't know. <clears throat> I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about this because it makes me sound like some kind of like you know scoundrel or something. But you know, it's I feel the same way. Um, I have some DV, or I have some Blu-rays. I bought a little cheapy Sony Blu-ray player that we go through phases, kind of like with the Wii, where there'll be like a year when it's in the closet, and then we take it out, mm-hmm. and I'll be really into it. But it's it's like the court of last resort for me. It's it's not fun to use. So maybe it's also because it's a cheap Blu-ray player slash DVD player. But, right. you know, you put the thing in, you wait, you got to change the input, you got to go through all the stuff, you got to deal with all the, like, the ads and the, the the weird menus that nobody ever puts any effort into. And it's it's just not fun. It's, you know, I think in some ways the TiVo, when I, went, when I first got a TiVo in 2001, that was a real paradigm shift in a couple ways. So there's a paradigm shift of, wow, I can record TV. There's a paradigm shift of I can control fast forwarding and rewinding. There's a paradigm shift of like, I don't have to watch these commercials Mm -hmm. and so forth. But one of the biggest things was just the sense of like, that was the first remote in a really long time that became like an extension of my body. Like I did not have (laughs) to look at the buttons. I got really good at using it. And honestly, I'm kind of like that now with the Amazon, well, before at the Roku, in some ways the Apple TV, but especially with the Amazon Fire and Plex. I'm really fast. Yeah. Like, whoop, I can go right to this section. Like, I want to skip to this part. I can do these things. And I'm pretty comfortable. It's in the, you know, the scrubbing is crazy fast mm-hmm. on an Amazon uh, Fire Machine. So, um, I, I mean, you know, there's, there's just always been this, this classic problem that usually was more easily enforceable in the past, which is that as the owner of this IP, as the owner of this copyrighted thing, you have the 100% absolute right to determine how much people should pay, and in the way that is most convenient to you. And there's some kinds of things where that's changed. And people said, oh, like we've learned this thing that started out being this illegal thing. Suddenly we realize that that's a much easier and more consumer-friendly way to do it. I mean, let's be honest. It, would we have iTunes purchases today if we had never had Napster? Maybe, yeah. but that's what got people thinking about the idea that I did not have to go to the record store. I didn't have to go to Sam Goody when it was open and go and buy this and bring it home and listen to it in this certain way. I mean, I don't mean to make this like an ethical or moral thing, but like sometimes that's, that's the leading edge of a lot of stuff. I mean, iTunes was able to, for a while, disrupt that particular industry um, by taking the kind of convenience and I want it now attitude and putting a cash register on it. So what's the paradigm shift there? Well, they figured out how to charge for it and people were happy to do it. I mean, after you could buy stuff on wherever, you know, Google Play or iTunes. I mean, how often do you go out and buy CDs now? The numbers indicate that people are not buying CDs now because they found this other way more palatable. And it's just that, you know, the movie industry learned a certain kind of lesson from the Napster era. And they're going to they're gonna ride this thing into the ground. I mean, best, best case, you're going to get um, ultraviolet or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, but, it, 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 we have now really great content that is coming to Netflix. And I think John, again, John Syracuse mentioned that the, um, the Stephen King 
I think Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' production company, is doing a direct-to-Hulu adaptation of uh, the, the the JFK book that uh, mm-hmm. that Stephen King did. You know, it's like more and more we're seeing this new way of thinking – uh, and I, and I love that, but then, you know, there's still this old content that we want, you know, and we're forced to adhere to something that's antiquated and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I guess that's the way to put it, but I mean, it's, um, I, I, I don't think it's going to seem so weird five years from now to have something like Plex where everything in it is stuff that you absolutely paid for. Maybe yeah. you buy it from within Plex. I don't know. Maybe Plex is replaced. I mean, there was a time when we were using XBMC mm-hmm. straight up or whatever it was. But the point is, that's you know, there's 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 something to learn there. And uh, I see. I don't know. But part of it is, I just I agree with you. I just think it's it's inconvenient, and I don't begrudge anybody wanting uh, to to make money off of what they've got. That's like everybody wants to do that. And the the irony for me is, I want to give you the money. Like yeah. if I could buy a copy, I went I went and paid a ridiculous amount of money twice for two people to go see Guardians of the Galaxy four times. Mm-hmm. If I could have <laughs> if I could have spent that amount on one copy to have at home, I yeah. would have done it on day one. Yeah. But that's not how the model works. And so, you know, so I, I, I sound like an adolescent by saying I wish you guys would make make that a little easier for somebody who can't make it to the movies that often. But that's that's how it works. Um but I have a law question for you. Oh God. So I ha- I went out and I I bought these DVDs and the Blu-ray and then I handbrake them and I put them on my Plex, which is uh, not shared. It's local only. No one else can get to it, etc. Plex Plex is an app that Plex is for people. Well, should we tell people what Plex is? Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm I'm getting uh, Plex is an app for uh, controlling uh, if you've got non DRM copies of media, including movies, TV shows, and music. It's a way of being able to. It's an app you can run on a box, and it'll you know stream it to iPad or to any of the various uh, set top boxes, and it's a uh, it's a pretty neat service. Really great which, service. Which, by the way, is raising their prices very soon. So if you don't have Plex Pass, you should buy it soon. It's really cool. I you can you know you can watch it. So what's really cool? You can also about do it, stuff like add. I you know what I do? I add YouTube videos to it a lot. Mm-hmm. I've got a Chrome extension that lets me if there's a video on a page, I hit this extension and it adds it to Plex, so I can watch it on the TV rather than sitting there like an idiot with my phone. It's so cool. <laughs> and there's so much great stuff that Plex <clears throat> does. And so here's the here's the question that I had. I own this DVD, whatever that actually means. I own the ability to watch the content that's provided to me on the DVD, whatever. Would it be, I didn't do this, but would it have been illegal for me to have downloaded like a, someone else's rip of it because I was unable to actually play it in any of my devices except my car? <laughs> You're definitely not a lawyer. What do you think, Dan? I think it would be illegal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a scholar on these issues, but I think that would probably not be um Even though I own kosher. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know the thing is this is one of those things where it's so the, the sides on this are um, interested, educated, and experienced in such different ways. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> I remember going to a conference a few years ago. I just I'll try and put this somewhere where there's some subtlety to this that's beyond the whole like I hate DVD, so I'm never buying anything again. But I, I went to a conference a few years ago, a public public media conference, and I had this uh, long drunken talk with this guy who works at PBS. And who was 
I don't want to say tasked with, was, was with like at the time saddled with the dealing with um, how, you know, how do we, how do we take this product? This is a very complicated idea. So you, you, you've got public TV. So, so if you're PBS, you're maybe buying those shows from local stations who make them. You're buying them from independent people. You're showing that on PBS at certain times. Mm-hmm. And then you're also receiving monies from all the various stations who are members, which if you think about it, could hardly be a more complicated model. I'm just guessing. I have a little experience with this, not a lot. Like member stations are not generally huge fans of the podcast feeds. You know, we yeah. get... We get, uh, for example, the example I always give, we get On the Media, which is a pretty good show. Our um, On the Media plays on a given Sunday at like two in the afternoon, but I get it in my podcast feed on the previous Friday afternoon. Now, remember, the people who are buying that at the member station are paying probably hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to be able to put that on their, you know, on, the, on their radio station and they, they license that. And so, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a classic kind of franchise model. It's very complicated. But I remember meeting with this guy, and without saying too much, I went up to my room, and I got my laptop, and I showed him what people can do if they want to watch PBS shows in the way that they would like. And it was a very awkward and uncomfortable conversation, but it's the same conversation I've had with people at small labels, where I'm like, this is, this is what you're competing with. And it's not a question of whether people want to do the morally or ethically right thing. People want to give you money, but they also don't want to have to be sitting in front of the TV at a certain time. Those models go away. Okay, now flash forward however many years. PBS is now a channel on every device that I've got. Yep. And so I was able to go watch the first two episodes of Ken Burns' Roosevelt's series right on my TV. And, you know, at worst, what, you go and you, like, identify what your local station is. I can understand why they would do that. But all I'm saying is, like, all these things that seem so clear-cut to to people right now, I would not look at them as being clear-cut. I would be looking at what some of those services are doing as an inspiration for how you can make people not just love what you make and putting it out in the way you want to make it, but making people love you for the way that you put it out, right? And we see this every day with the people who've succeeded with things like Kickstarter or Patreon. Louis like, C.K. stuff, you know? Yeah, but like that starts, that starts out with a combination of having, well, maybe three things. It starts out with like being well-known enough that people would want to give you money, potentially sight unseen for something, uh, for being well-loved enough that people would want to do it. So you got to be known, you got to be loved. But then also the product that you make has to be pretty good for you to kind of get away with that for a long time. But then a funny thing happens. And splits forks in these two directions with these these gimme money sites. On the one hand, you see people now who are trying to basically <sighs> glom onto that and and do the kinds of things where like, you know, I want to get paid to do this thing where ordinarily I would just do this and sell it, whether that's writing a book or making a movie or whatever. Still totally valid. But if they aren't well known or well loved or known for great products, that's going to be a tough slog. Whereas at the same time, people who have a track record for being great at that already are, I think, I think are still finding it easier than others to get that kind of funding because mm-hmm. there's 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 trust in that relationship of saying like, if I make this thing and put it out there, I know you can get it maybe before the day it comes out. But if you like me and you think what I'm doing is worthwhile, you pay me for it. And everybody's happy. And that's not the problem is that that's not a giant volume business. That's a small business. Like John Roderick has said on many occasions that like he feels like if he can make about as much money as, as a dentist, like he's going to be doing pretty well. He no longer thinks that he's going to be a giant rock star. It's just that that's the model that those companies can deal with right now. This is so simple minded. I just, I, it is frustrating because I feel the same way. Like I, I feel no joy 
buying a Blu-ray. I don't feel it's not fun. No. It isn't like coming home from the record store and opening your records and putting them on. It really feels like drudgery to me. Yes, to to have to go out and drive a car somewhere. I said this in the, the next episode of Roderick that comes out. I was talking about this, but one of my lowest points in any given week is when I have to get in the car to go somewhere and spend money. Like that always feels like a, like like a, a double loss for me. I've got to drive somewhere to spend money and then come home. That always feels dumb to me. So you know. On the other hand, I mean, like, I own, oh, I can't, I don't have it in front of me right now, but over 100 movies on iTunes because we just buy movies because right. it's there. And we go, oh, you want to watch, uh, you know, uh, My Little Pony Equestria Girls? Like, okay, we will buy that. And we, and we buy it and it's there. And it's a, good, it's a good quality copy. It's not super frustrating. There's a lot of frustrating things about the iTunes and Apple buying experience that are real dicey we could talk about. But, but they, I can satisfy us with that. On the other hand, you know, I'm much less likely to go out and like buy, you know, for the fifth time, go out and buy Star Wars movies so that I could bring them home and then have to like negotiate how my, you know, my player works. I don't know if that, I mean, that's not really an answer, but I, it's just super frustrating. It really is. And, you know, and of course, if this stuff had been available for me on Apple TV, like I would have bought it there. If it had been on Amazon streaming, I would have bought it there. I think you still, I think there's still no Miyazaki on the iTunes store. Really? Which, you know, um, I mean, where, where, tell, me where, tell me where I go to economically buy, uh, you know, like a copy of Princess Mononoke. Yeah. To, to have in the same place. Do I want to be buying this in 15 different places? Not really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's not fun to have to go to Japantown and go to the, <laughs> like the anime store. Right. To like go buy some crazy region DVD of this. So anyway, I, it's, it's complicated and I, I, hate, I hate feeling like some kind of villain or something. I just, I think it's clear enough at this point that you can look back at what everybody said 15 years ago, what everybody said 10 years ago, what everybody said five years ago, and realize there's a lot more subtlety to this than the, than the bold lines that everybody likes to draw. There's a, the companies that get in front of this earlier have such an opportunity that others don't have. Look at, so look at Apple, look at iTunes. Like, you remember how crazy it was when they started selling DRM-free uh, media oh, yeah. on iTunes? Yep. And, and even at that time, that seemed so crazy that they could pull that off. And now look, already, what's that been? Like in the last like four years, look at the numbers, how that has now dropped off because that's not even how people buy music anymore. Now they want to have a streaming service. And all of a sudden, Apple's got their computer in their hand. It's, you know, <sighs> tell me about something you like. I will. I'll tell you about uh, friends over at Solaro. This is a new one uh, that we're doing now. It's really cool, especially, you know, we, we get a lot of feedback and I guess they, they found us because of this because, you know, we talk about our kids, we talk about school, we talk about things like that. Solaro, they, they focus on learning, helping kids learn. They have an online study guide. Uh, they cover English, they cover math, science or maths, as you say, you know, from third to 12th grade. So my kids, your, your kid too is a little bit young for mm-hmm. this, but... This is basically the, the way that they can go and learn. They can learn the stuff they're, they're doing in school. They can get ahead of school. They have, they're having trouble with a, with a lesson or something. They can go here because these guys, they are tied into everything that the U.S. Common Core, which is this is the curriculum standard that's in most states as of this year. So if, you, if your kids go to a public school, there's a pretty good chance that this is what they're following. They need help with something they want to get at. This is where they can do it. They have you know, all of this computerized assessment stuff. 
that's coming in for like 2015 final exams, they are the first study resource that has full-length final exams for practice here. So if your kids are a little bit older and they're taking tests, this is where you go. Now, if you're not in the U.S., you can choose what's called the California region <laughs> and because it's obviously not the U.S. But you go in and you pick that, and then you're going to get all these English language resources covering pretty much all the concepts. They're available online, but they also have an app for iOS, for Android. They've got a Windows 8.1 app. You get all of the access to all of these study guides, the tutorials, all of the stuff that's there that's going to help your kids uh, figure out what they need to know for, for $29.95 a month, $199 a year. So the URL that they've made uh, just for us is Solaro, S-O-L-A-R-O, solaro.com slash B2W. So they're all getting on board with the two. They're all, get, all, the, all the sponsors getting on board with that. You go there and uh, they've teamed up with Microsoft for, the, for Windows users because we have a lot of Windows users now. 50% off the entire life of your Solaro subscription. So again, the URL to check out, solaro.com slash b to W, get your kids ahead. It's a cool thing. I checked this out and I think I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, when he gets to third grade, I think he'll be ready for this. First grade, they don't, they, you can go or not go, apparently. <laughs> they only start at the important grades. Yeah, third grade. Third, third grade's where it gets real. That's when you really start getting homework. <laughs> That's right. So I don't know, you know, like I would have, and, and I didn't have a problem spending money on this, but it's it just so weird that there is the, 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 there is like built-in difficulties around this, and we're really seeing the death and decay of old media. The idea of going to a theater, I think, is a lot of fun, you know, especially for, for kids. You go to a theater, it's, it, as they say, an immersive experience, right? You go, you, the lights get dark, you watch some fun previews, maybe you eat some popcorn, and you watch a movie, and it's it's really fun, and then you leave and you talk about it, and it's a special place you can go to get this this really neat experience. It's the only place you can go to get it for a while. But there's so much after that that get that's where it gets confusing. Like, you know, how do you get this stuff in your house? And it shouldn't be as hard as it is. And we're really we're seeing these old media things. We're seeing books get eaten up by, you know, Kindles. Bookstores are going away. You know, you have, um, you know, the, the subscription services that we have at home. I don't, that's not what we should call it. But, you know, you're, we're paying every month to get HBO or to get Showtime, even though most of what's on HBO and Showtime, we don't want to see. We really just want to see Boardwalk Empire and Game well, of Thrones. You're paying for cable. You're paying for the right. bundled cable. I mean, it's terrible. How much of that stuff are you watching? None. You know, yeah. almost almost none. You know, there's there's the stuff that, you know, monsters inside me. There's a new one now called Infestation which shows how some kind of insect, usually it's an insect, takes over a, a household and how people stubbornly continue to live in the house. There was, I just, I, oh God. Oof. There was one episode about these garter oh. snakes that had taken over and that the, the, the water in their house smelled disgusting. It had oh, this strange God. odor and that they couldn't figure out what it was. So uh, we'll just keep bathing our kids in it, keep drinking it. Till finally they see all these garter snakes outside uh, and the dad is like collecting them in a bucket. And then he realizes the smell that they've been smelling in their water for, for months now is actually some kind of musk smell that the snakes produce when they feel threatened. And that's the smell that's been coming into their water supply. Anyway, my kid loves this show. It's the smell of snake anxiety. Yes. Ugh. Well, that sounds like it's worth subscribing for. You know, but that's the kind of stuff you, that you get CNN. Yeah, you get all of it. 
Yeah. I got more stuff. Yeah. And I feel bad. For what? Oh, I, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough racket. So they, for the cable companies, you feel bad for them? I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 there's so many centers that can't hold at this point. You know, I mean, if you think about like how many kinds of companies that want to have a, you've got the, on the one hand, you've got, I don't even want to say companies. Like you could even have subsidiaries inside of the companies. Can you imagine what the like annual meetings must be like at some of these companies where they're seeing a giant dip in revenue in some things and a, you know, a, a, a growth, however modest in another area. And like, you know, you online guys are eating our lunch with this stuff. It's really hard to go out and, you know, sell this. Uh, it must, must be completely bananas. And then you get companies. But think about just the whole idea that more and more of us are getting things like, see, I just, I couldn't pay for Hulu. We had Hulu and it just drove me nuts to be paying for fill ads. Yeah. Obvious, like run of network, right, ads. right, stuff that's that's n- nothing relating to the show. It's just, oh, we have to have a sponsorship in here, and it's garbage. And it's like paying for a version of the internet <laughs> that's nothing but shovel blogs, <laughs> full of ads that nobody cares about reading, let alone you know really cared about buying. Or it was just, it's it's ugh, it's really frustrating to me. But um, and you know, and who knows? Who knows how long every service is going to stay the way it is? Obviously, Netflix is pivoting by having these this original content. Amazon doing the same thing. Hulu doing that. But at the same time, that's a lot of gigabytes of uh, stuff moving through the pipe. And so, I mean, we're going to keep seeing these wars over like how much bandwidth you can get at home. And I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's every one of these companies that we look at today is, is really quite different from what they, th- we thought they were going to be oh, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's a, the old Apple um, ad that was kind of like against IBM. Then for a long time, Microsoft was the big baddie. And now even Tim Cook says, you know, well, no, really today now it's Google and Samsung are, are the companies that we see as our competitors. Um, all that stuff changes so much. Uh, it used, we used to just feel like there were people out there creating these apps and services where we're just going to get free stuff forever with full privacy and stuff. And that's obviously changed. This landscape is going to be completely altering like on a quicker and quicker basis and um i don't know i wonder how many big winners are going to shake out it's not super interesting it's going to be a few uh, wonder yak underscore in the chat room uh comments that uh their concern is that there won't be any concept of ownership anymore that it will all be streaming no matter what the format is there's no what what they're calling local ownership in other words you won't actually have it's sort of the spotify model right like yeah i paid whatever nine bucks a month to get spotify so that i can listen to kind of any song that i want as often as i want without having to buy that individual for now now. and that's the thing is like all of a sudden like they might decide that oh we're not gonna have this artist on here anymore for some reason well now I don't have them, but I have a new one. And that's the thing is like, I remember after my grandfather passed away, he had collected over his lifetime, this huge, huge, uh, collection of, of vinyl that was, you know, great. Cause he played, he played saxophone as a, you know, as like a hobby. And when he was young, he used to play in like big band stuff. And he had this amazing collection of, of really great jazz and big band stuff. And you know, this was like curated over his lifetime of his favorite albums and not just, not just like 
oh, I got this one thing, but it's like this particular performance by these people at this time and that meant something to him and it was part of the story. We don't have that buying things digitally. We don't really have that connection to the story. You can say, I took my daughter to see Guardians of the Galaxy four times and the first time we did this and then the last time she did it, she wanted to buy us. You know, it's like there's a memory that's associated with that. But like, what's your memory around... The latest, I'll pick on them, the U2 album. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is no memory. I remember well, yeah, walking... Yeah, a- but also, I mean, think about... Sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead, please. No, no, I'm just, I was just going to say, though, but like, even from the time your grandfather was collecting records, think about how many different times that shifted. I mean, there was... Let's, let's go back to the example everybody always gives of, you know, um, Disney suing Sony over the Betamax. At that time, the, what, what, what Disney was saying was, look, you're never going to... You're never going to... We can't make movies if you guys are getting them by taping them off of TV or something. Like, you're going to kill Disney. You're going to kill Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't 10 years later that they had half of the top 10 titles in VHS rentals and purchases. That was a big change. There was a time when the idea of having a movie that you owned at your house was completely crazy. Back when um, beta, beta and VHS, I remember beta tapes costing about 75 bucks Yeah. Uh, at one point. So back then, a movie was something that you would go and see. That was a paradigm shift. The idea of even having a large collection of albums used to be kind of crazy. Most people just bought 45s. Why, why would I buy this when I can go listen to it on a jukebox? That kind of thing. Why would I buy this when I can listen to it on the radio? It's just that that's changed so much. For, you know what my family bought for years was 8-tracks. Right. We bought 8-tracks that would die... <laughs> While the format was still alive, the yeah. tracks would die. Yeah. There was no longevity. Cassettes, like how great do your cassettes from the 90s sound at mm, this point? God. So I just think that that kind of, that picture is always changing. The, the, the thing that I, I really agree on though is, I can't remember the specific example, but I feel like I remember one of the first times I went to Netflix to watch something I'd added to my queue and it was gone. And I was like, what? It mm-hmm. was probably something my daughter watched over and over. But I remember that feeling like a big shift, like a big whoops, like, wait a minute. I, I figured if it was on Netflix, it would be here forever. And now at the beginning of every month, you'll find these blog posts people put out about like what's going away, what's coming in. You know, that, that's, that's all changing. But it's, you know, as far as the like what you own, I, I don't want to be, you know, that guy. But like you, you've never really owned any of it. The software that you own, you don't, you don't really own. What you own is the right to run software that is not suitable for any particular purpose, that you, you have a license to run this thing that basically the EULA says does nothing. That's mm-hmm. what you own. If mm-hmm. it's not you know, something you made or open source or whatever, even then, still, you're going to have those same provisos. But I take the point about not owning the physical media. That's, that's definitely a weird change. And that was, for a long time for me, as somebody who collected things, you know, like books, collected CDs, that, right. was, that was a tough change. But I, I also think the thing you can't overlook is how people in like their 20s um, have such a different point of view about this. What, what do you think their, their perspective is? Well, I mean, you know, for us, it's, you know, whenever you look at stuff in your life, you can't help but look at it in, in your own terms and in like what, what you're used to. So yeah. if you're used to having this physical media at your house that you listen to four times a year, it seems weird to not have 150 of those. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody today, I mean, again, just look at the drop in sales of people <laughs> buying, people licensing the right to listen to this. Or, you know, again, you could download it, I guess, whatever. But, you know, in the time that, like, I think something like maybe 1999 or so, around then was the biggest year for CD sales, sometime in the 90s. It was an improbably high number of CDs that were being sold. So it's been about 15 years that we've gone from everybody's buy CDs 
Two, fewer people are buying CDs. Two, people are downloading a lot of their music. Two, people are buying their music legally from a place like iTunes. Two, not that many people are even doing that anymore. They're subscribing to these services. That all happened in about 15 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and think of how long the, the record industry has been around. Which, which means that somebody who's the age I was when I started really getting interested in buying records wasn't even born at the time that CDs were popular. Mm. They haven't lived in a world where people bought lots of CDs. Hey, kids, let's go to the CD store. Like, that's not a thing anymore. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing I feel like I always want to try to keep in mind is like how much my own history colors the way this stuff yeah, looks. that's a really good point. Because, you know, it isn't like, think about this, like, like, do you find yourself suddenly going like, I can't believe I don't own epi- every episode of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You on DVD? <laughs> right. And you're like, well, why would you want that? Well, you know, I used to watch it. And now I don't own it. Yeah. You're like, well, you just used to watch it and it's not that great. So why would you want to own it? Well, if you want it, you could probably find it somewhere. But it doesn't feel like a loss that you don't have a physical copy of every piece of media you've ever seen in your life. Do you save every podcast you've ever downloaded forever? My feeling is, no, I can probably get it again. I don't want my, don't want my device to fill up. I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I just feel like, I feel like it's important to think about how people's consumption of that stuff has changed. People, I think, aren't, aren't so much like Marco and John Roderick anymore. I don't think people sit down to listen to an album all the way through anymore. No, absolutely not. And, but see, I don't think that that <clears throat> is necessarily a new thing. As you're talking about this, especially what you just said, I remember, you know, my father-in-law, um, when uh, he, you know, he had one of those 50-disc CD changers. And he would load all of his, you know, first of all, going from vinyl to CD, like, took him forever and was a big deal, you know. But when he finally did it, you know, he loaded them all up. And then eventually he got an iMac. And what people listening to this show probably, I think a a lot of us remember, but some of us may not, that before there was an iTunes store, the point of iTunes was you took your CDs and you ripped them with iTunes into iTunes and then you had the digital version of all of those songs so in one place. And this was a huge deal for him because now he could go and rip just the songs that he liked. You know, he didn't like every song on, you know, this Beatles album or this Rolling Stones album. He might only like five or there was a couple he did. So he would rip just the songs he liked off of it. And then he could connect his iMac with a wire to his stereo and he could listen to just the songs he liked album by album or on shuffle, which was a novelty also, you know, this is what we used to do. This is what iTunes did. It let us digitize our music library, you know? And so he was picking and choosing in that sense, but it's amazing how that, what I just described, that process, which is essentially what we have to do with our videos if we want to watch them on something like Plex, um, seems so antiquated and ancient. The idea that you would go physically drive to a store, buy a, a plastic disc, bring it home, put it <laughs> mm-hmm. into your computer, wait 50 minutes while it ripped that, and put only the songs that you wanted from it. Now you have it on that thing, which you can then organize that into a playlist, and you're doing all this while seated in front of a computer <laughs> in one place. Right. You know, it seems ancient, but at the time, it was it was great. People were thrilled to do this, you know? and And then you have it on your iPod, and you can plug your iPod into your car and listen to this stuff on the go. Like this was a big, big, big shift. And what we're seeing now is, you know, like now I have the car that I have now has a DVD player in it. So like they can, my children 
who'd never see enough TV at home. God forbid they leave and when they're in route somewhere else can't also be watching TV. Right. Uh, You know, uh, so they have this. uh, So what I, you know, I don't, but I, now what do I do? Do I bring DVDs with me to play in the car? No, it has an HDMI input in it. So I got a little thing that lets me plug like a phone or an iPad or what I'm using now, an iPod touch. I can plug that into it and I can play movies because God forbid they don't have movies while we're driving, you know, to get lunch. Uh, I have an iPod touch connected to that now so I can play the movie on that while we drive. But think about how this has changed. You know, it's so, it's amazing to me how things have changed in such a short period of time Mm -hmm. and there's still no like right answer. There's still no convention. And that's another big thing that I think has changed. It's like for so many years, the convention was, would you like to hear music at home? We have this new thing called a radio, but of course you can still use your albums and listen to them that way. And for so many years, and a radio used to be a piece of furniture, right? It's changed so much to going from that to, like you said, to 8-track, to cassette tapes, to CDs, to digital, to, you know, now it's all just streaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's every, every one of those aspects has changed, though. And I think people's interest in selling media in the non, in the, beyond the conventional, like, you know, historically it's been that from sheet music on, through books, through records, through movies, the model has been that you go to a retail store to buy a physical single copy of this thing that you're licensed to then watch in this certain way. But I, you know, I have to say, I think one of the giant things that's changed that has been the stuff like the emergence of these new devices. Maybe not, maybe not the Apple TV, but certainly the iPod. And certainly things like the number of people who consume stuff on a mobile phone right now. I think one thing that's made them more amenable to diverging from that old strategy is realizing that's where the market went. That's where people will want to consume it. So, you know, it, I think it just became too difficult to say the only way we'll ever do it is this one way. But for some reason, I, I this is really off topic, but I, I, I can't help thinking about the whole idea of food and needing to eat, which I know is a different kind of thing. But think about all the different ways that you can consume food and all the trade-offs that you make in between. Like if you want something that's like a pretty serve, you know, let's say you're in a hurry, you're going to take out some Kraft macaroni and cheese and make that and, and you're going to make that on the, um, on the stovetop. And in like 15 minutes, you're going to have this serviceable kind of crappy meal. But you, you got food. It's sustenance. That's what it is. Right. You, but you accept that like if you want to have a rib roast, if you want to have a roast turkey, that's going to take a lot of time and it's going to be hard to eat in the car. That doesn't mean <laughs> we stop making turkey. And just because this restaurant is really, really costly and is very successful because of the level of service and food doesn't mean we hate them because we don't eat there very often. It's just that's part of the trade-offs of life. And whereas at the other end, we go, you know, I could eat at the 7-Eleven, but I don't want to have to eat food at the 7-Eleven. I sure don't want to do it a lot. Mm. And I sure don't want to do it in a fancy way, but I can do it in my car on the way to the beach. Those are all trade-offs that have been around for years that nobody finds particularly perplexing. It's just that that model is completely different because there's no IP on food, by and large. It isn't something where, like, somebody's getting ripped off because somebody had this Brussels sprout and didn't pay the right fee or get the shirt or whatever. That's a different kind of model. But, you know, media is something that we do feel so personally about. We know that there's a person attached to that. We know that there's companies that need to make money off that. I mean, when you go to the store, when we go to buy school supplies, I mean, I know that this folder is identical to every other kind of folder. You can look at the price and see that two of the three dollars of this folder is licensing fees. And you accept that because you like Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. But 
I just, it's, these folks need to make a certain amount of money in a certain way. And I don't think that these industries are going to be upended that soon. But if anything, it's gone the other way, where now you've got to have these blockbusters come out. I mean, they talked about what a lousy year this has been for movies at the cinema. That if it wasn't for stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy, it would have been a pretty rough summer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue to be interested in how this changes, but I'm also going to be really buoyed and inspired by the people who say, hey, look, these are just digital files. This is stuff I make. I'll make more of this, you know? Um, and if, if you can want to give me a certain amount of money or you want to buy this shirt or whatever, there are different models for being compensated for what you do. Sometimes that compensation is not money. Maybe it's you get to be on fresh air. Like John Darnielle was on fresh air the other day. I don't think he got paid to be on fresh air. Right. But being on there introduces more people to his second novel, Wolf in White Van. Now people can go out and find that in other ways. So, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated ecosystem. And I, I just, I don't think that assuming you can always make money in the same way that you're traditionally comfortable with is, I don't think that's a smart go forward approach. You got more sponsors, Dan. Ah, yeah, I do. I'll tell you about our friends over at Squarespace. Uh, you know what? They're the all-in-one platform that helps you build a pretty amazing website. And uh, and we use them. We use them here. We do things with mm-hmm. them for Bacon Method. We do the 5x5 blog over there. Just a couple examples of what you can do. That's uh, it, it, It's hard to say in one spot all the things that you can do with Squarespace, but I'm going to try. You can sell things. They have built-in e-commerce. If you are a musician or you have a band, you can upload your albums and they have a built-in album player that that lets you play the music when people come to the site. It's great for hosting a podcast. I know plenty of people who use them just for that. Uh, You might be a photographer or you have examples of your work. You want to put it up in a gallery. All of these things and so much more are built into Squarespace. They make it really, really easy to do all of this stuff. You don't need to know HTML or CSS. If you do, sure, you can customize the site, but you can also customize the site just by dragging little sliders around and changing the colors with a color picker. And you can take something that is a default template, which they have amazing default templates that they come out with all the time that are responsive and adaptive and look great on every device. And you can customize these things so easily. It doesn't really take very much time to do it at all. Uh, they've got 24-7 support through live chat and email. Uh, they've got the e-commerce I told you about, which is built in now. And it's a great time. If you are a new customer, you're going to get 10% off if you use the offer code, it's your show, all one word, it's your show. Or you can just go to squarespace.com slash back to work for more information there. And, uh, and they continue to do a great job. They've revealed some secrets to me. And uh, some things are going to be coming out that are just amazing. Some things that we've really been looking forward to as uh, Squarespace customers. So go check them out. Squarespace.com slash back to work. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting Merlin Mann and back to work. (laughs) You know about what they're doing? No. Did you hear about that thing? I know a thing's coming. They haven't told me what it is. Um, iOS 8. Yeah. Has, uh, has some neat things. I just want to highlight a few of these because they're friends it. of the show and, and just there's some services that I really like. This is not a compensated thing, just some I want to mention. Um, uh, so I installed iOS 8. It's neat. I mean, there's, there's some neat stuff about it. It's got some cool stuff. But I think one of the most exciting things is the way that apps are now, on the one hand, able to take advantage of things like Touch ID, but also just the, the extensions and the extensibility of apps where you can have the functionality that used to be completely siloed in an app is now available in other places. And I wonder, maybe we can round robin a couple favorites. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, obviously, one you got to mention is um, Text Expander. Yeah. Now that you can have these custom keyboards, which which I have to say, in implementation, are much easier to use than I expected. You now have the ability to have an app that has a custom keyboard associated with it, and then enable that keyboard and be able to use it in different places. Which I, I think is it's, it's. I have to say, I really applaud Apple for doing that. I, that feels like a big move for them to open that up. It's huge. It's really, really, really a big deal. And of course, I know you're, or I hope you're going to mention after this, uh, a, a couple of the other keyboards. I don't want this all be about keyboards, but man, this is the way that we've wanted it to be, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's, I installed one of those little swipey keyboards and it was it was weird. It asked for permission to go to the internet, yes. which seemed weird. But I know in some cases that's necessary. Like with, for example, as I understand it, you, you know this better than I do probably, but like with Text Expander, you have to ask for that permission in order to do stuff like pull in the shared snippets and be able to do the bloop sound and stuff like that, right? It's, yeah. it's not nef- in that case, it's not nefarious. It's just that it's Apple saying, make sure you understand what you're doing here. That's right. And so here, here are some of the issues. And there are, okay, so first of all, we, we're talking about iOS. We're talking about these extensions. Apple opened it up so that now third parties can make a thing that lets us choose a different keyboard. We can replace full-on replace, the way that we've always been able to do on the Android side. And that was one of the things I loved about Android is that, you, oh, you don't like this keyboard? Put your own, pick your own. Oh, you don't like what happens when you hit the, uh, the down volume button? Do something different to, to a fault, really, on, on the Android side. But there are these security issues. There are these security concerns because in order to enable this other keyboard, you've got to go and give that application permissions. But those permissions are things that – yeah, in in a sense, maybe are they key logging? Are they? Because- There's one that absolutely is. One of those swipey keyboards is absolutely. Which I, one pr- is it? I'm. I don't want to say because I haven't researched it carefully, but based on from what I could tell, it is for doing stuff like predictive typing and learning. I, it is. I don't want to call it key logging, but I'm pretty sure it's sending your input somewhere. Right, because they. So here's here's an article that I found on it on Mac Drifter. Um, where here's the thing that comes up. You have to, it's called allow full access. You have to turn this thing on. It's, it says full access allows the developer of this keyboard to transmit anything you type, including things you have previously typed with this keyboard. This could include sensitive information such as your credit card number or street address. So if you look into the developer documentation for this, it, here are some of the things. This is coming from Apple's developer documentation. All capabilities of a non-network custom keyboard. It can access location services and address book with user permission. It can employ a shared container. It can send keystrokes and other inputs for server-side processing. Now they say, well, this just makes our service better. But what are they doing with that? Even if they can't tie it to you as Merlin Mann's iPhone, it's still like a guy in this particular area of San Francisco just typed, I love you. Well, why, was he typing it to Dan or was he typing it to some, you know, they have this information now. And I, I think it's a legitimate concern. It's a I mean, very serious concern. I mean, because right now it's, it's small enough that it may not seem like an issue yet, but I can, unless Apple changes the way that works, I could see, I mean, you know, because here's the other thing is when you update to a new OS, in this case with iOS, you get a lot of pop-ups, mm-hmm. a lot of continue or cancel or retry or done or any of those things you're restoring, you're getting a lot of pop-ups. And so when you get into that kind of pop-up fatigue, you know, it's, it's good to know what's going to happen after you click that button. 
So I, I'm not trying to be all booga booga about it because, in fact, I, I love this ability. I think it's really cool. But I could certainly imagine something where somebody could at least do a proof of concept that's pretty nefarious with that. They really could. And so I'm, you know, I'm pretty positive Text Expander is is not doing. That. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I mean, it's 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 gold. But I mean, you know, it's also the kind of thing where anybody with a little more experience in intelligence go, well, do you ever do you even think about like how much stuff you're already sending all over the place? Like, don't you know, you don't be that surprised. But but it's it's it is it's really great. I'm still kind of getting my sea legs at it, but I'm glad that it's it's faster and easier to change keyboards than I expected. But uh, which is good. Um, It's pretty fast. Um, I still I still sometimes feel like I don't type as well on the iPhone as I used to. Like I still feel like it's gotten less fast for me to type. Like I, I hit more boners on there, and I'm not really sure why. In and iOS eight, just, you mean, or just on no, the just 5S. in general. It's just I feel like I used to type faster on mm. iOS, and I don't I don't know what that is. But I definitely that, so, typed faster on iOS six than seven. I don't know what that changed. might be. That might be when it felt like it changed. It, the responsiveness feels a little bit slower. iOS eight on my iPad Mini, I have to say, is a little logy. Oh yeah, it's bad. on my original iPad Mini is. I get the equivalent of like stalls sometimes, partly because it's still restoring from starting tomorrow three weeks ago. Um, but that's probably my fault. Um, that's a slow process. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I totally, I'm with you there. And anything but the latest hardware, it does feel a little bit, you know, or almost latest hardware, it does feel a little bit like There's another thing that I think you're going to talk about extension-wise, one password. Yeah, I was going to say, well, sure, we can jump to 1Password. Yeah, 1Password, uh, I haven't used this a lot yet, but two things in 1Password, they're neat. First of all, now there's an extension that will let you get to your 1Password fill-ins without a bookmarklet from right inside of mobile Safari, which is pretty great um, it, to have it right in there. I think, you know, for a long time, it hasn't been as hard as most people thought to, I think a lot of people didn't know the trick of, for example, if you're in... This is now not as useful, but it used to be a great trick. Um, they had a custom URL where if you were in Safari and wanted to open that with your one password, did you know you can put OP in front of HTTP? Hit enter and it opens it in one password. I did not know that. But now you don't have to do that. So yeah. like once you've enabled it, you get that. The other great thing I want to absolutely mention is that stuff like Mint and one password having touch ID is pretty cool. It's pretty nice to be able to just hit touch ID and have one password unlock. I think it's it, it's so so good because we all you know you're supposed to have a really complicated password to be your master password to unlock one password and yet doing that on an iOS device where we just said we can't type as well as we used to it it's almost encouraging you to have not as great of a password so touch ID makes this just work perfectly there there is still this part of me that thinks that I sh- for me personally I kind of feel like cuz I do use one password for a lot of stuff there's still this part of me that thinks maybe that one I should keep just a password on because you know in that in that kind of nightmare scenario of you know somebody kind of making you put your thumb on it and it's game over yeah. you know not you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a part of me I could see why that for some kinds of information you want the ease of being able to unlock your phone, but I would still say be be cautious about how much stuff you put this on. You don't want it to become too easy and too automatic because then it's not as effective. One password, actually, I, I mean this out of respect. It's just that one password is is so special to me that I kind of want to keep my keep that difficult in some ways. But the idea of having that on there, and obviously they're going to have the the Apple Pay thing, seems like kind of an interesting idea. Not kind of interesting. It, 
could be a big deal. We'll see what happens with it. But would you feel comfortable using great. Apple Pay? Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the old joke about, you know, people get so concerned about this stuff. But we in America here, we'll give our credit card to somebody we've never met at a bar. And, and then, you know, we're all amazed about our privacy and security. Ooh, booga booga. But you give your credit card to people all the time with all of the information on it. This is not chip and pin. Like everything you need to know to use your credit card is on that card. You know, that's, or for that matter, even keys. I mean, you, now there's services where you can like take a photo of your key and reproduce a key. It's, you know, we got a long way to go on a lot of that stuff. Um, the, the other one that I didn't expect to like as much as I do, but I really like is, for example, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of calendars, like Calendars 5. Yeah. Is that the latest version? I think so. I love that that's got, I don't know what it's called, but it's got the little plug-in dingus where I can see that on, God help me, Dan. When you, when you pull down from the top, Control Center? Oh, uh, to, Today View? Am I thinking? Yeah, I mean, I love that it's as easy as going in and saying, show my events from Calendars 5 here on this, the today view, and it pops up in there. And I, and I, you know, I also really love the fact that you have to put this in manually. So you're not overwhelmed with things like click here to open Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> automatically. But, yeah. You uh, have to, you have to want them there. And you know, you can, one of the neat things you mentioned mobile safari and putting like one password in there, you can change the order so that when you are hitting that little, it's the center button, which mm-hmm. I, did they call it the send button or send to button in, in mobile safari? The one in the center with the little arrow in the box pointing up. Oh, yeah, yeah. The do stuff with this button. Right. Okay. The do stuff with this button. So if you hit that, you can control that order. You swipe to the right or swipe left and it'll it'll bring up. There's a little more dot, dot, dot. That's how you add these extensions in there for that. And you can reorder them. Which oh, is, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So when you're in there, it'll show the little list of things that you can do and you just kind of uh, tap and hold and you can drag the order around. But yeah, I think what you're talking about in the 551 update of Calendars 5 is the Agenda Widget. Agenda Widget. That's what the guy is called. And it'll show it on the Today tab and in Notification Center. And I, I love that. And it's really smart because whatever, uh, at least in my usage so far, uh, you know, you can turn on or off certain calendars within there. So like if there's stuff that you want to have around but don't want to see all the time, you can flip those calendars off to keep it tidy. And that's that's reflected in what the agenda shows. They've got some nice updates right now. I, I want to give them a plug. Is it Riedel? Is that the name of the company? Yeah. They've got some nice, they've got like a productivity bundle you can get right now. Um, we'll see if we can find a, a link for that because they, they do great work. Are you using them more? Or are you? I know for a while you were a big Fantastical uh, user. Are you more Calendars 5 these days? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I really like Fantastical a lot. And boy, they've done so much with that app. Um, I am yeah, mostly, you know, you always end up with like, you know, are you going to, how many calendar apps are you going to have on your home screen, you yeah. know? And so, uh, yeah, Calendars has kind of shaken out. Calendars 5 is the one that's shaken out as the one on my home screen. Um, and uh, well, there's a lot out there. And again, I mean, for certain, now also in Calendars 5, I'm, yeah, I'm remembering this right. I can never remember what's in beta or not. But where you can um, add stuff with natural language now in Calendars 5, which is awesome. So it'll fill everything in for you. That's the thing that really, you know, all, all that really won me over with Fantastical is the sort of natural typing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doctor's appointment at 2.30 next Thursday, and it adds it. You know, that for me, being able to just type that in mm-hmm. was uh, was the thing. And th- so that's why Fantastical has been on my sort of main app. You're saying Calendars 5 has this now? Well, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's such a matter of personal preference because both both apps have gotten better at what the other one historically has done well. So Calendars 5 to me has always had one of the best presentations. It's easiest to, to look at. It's, it's really 
clean, as we used to say. Whereas Fantastical's marquee feature used to be the natural language entry, but using the actual app was okay. Uh, Fantastical has gotten a lot better as an actual app. It's very canny about taking care of lots of stuff for you automatically. It's a different approach than using Calendars 5, but I mean, it's what an embarrassment of riches. You could use either one of those and be real happy with it. Um, you know, for most people, probably the stock calendar you know, is probably fine. I, I'm not a fan of the iOS calendar app, so I only ever open it accidentally. Not, 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 I'm, not I'm not angry about it, but these other apps, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like when I accidentally launched Photoshop on my Mac. You know? Oh man! But uh, no, it's uh, there's there's a lot of goodies out there. So I put a link in show notes to the Ultimate Productivity Bundle by Riedel, and you can put Fantastical in there too if you want. Those are the big ones. I mean, you know, there's been so much coverage of this stuff. I just wanted to mention a couple because people ask, like, the things that really grabbed me um, in some of these new releases. You know, Instapaper had a really interesting oh, new release. Oh, yeah, they did. Where it'll read to you, and you no longer have to have all those hacky bookmarklets uh, around. Um, you know, I haven't found or wanted to find the time to explore all of this stuff because that's, you know, that's like a week or two that just goes away. But... This has been a very, for in terms of features that people like me actually use, this has been a pretty good release. This has been a very good release. Way better for me, eight than seven. Oh, brother. Seven was bad. Six, <sighs> I still miss six. I don't necessarily miss the visuals of six. Six was a workhorse. But, but six like, was like the, yeah, workhorse. I just, I just I, everybody made me feel like I was being such a karma suck, but I, I had so many just crashes i could not tra- trace to anything oh don't worry it's just a springboard crash whatever i had so many crashes in seven for months i still i'm still kind of miffed that it took them that long to fix it but um this feels pretty solid it's pretty hungry um i have to say it's it's a pretty it, it does a lot and i think it's asking a lot of the phone and even with my 5s I, it's sometimes hurting a little bit mm-hmm. i did read i read something i have not backed this up or checked this on my own but i did see an article and many links to it saying, don't even attempt to put this on your 4S at this point. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but you. I would say, I, the reason I mention it is here, I almost did it sight unseen for my wife's 4S. Mm. And I think I'm glad I didn't. Because, uh, you know, I do the whole rain dance with lots of backups and all that kind of stuff. It's very time consuming. I try to take it really seriously, which is still no guarantee that anything will work. But um, uh, yeah, I would say be circumspect if you have anything before... <sighs> Yeah, I would be circumspect, period. Yeah. <laughs> no matter which, if you have the latest version of software running on something, I would not put that on an old iPad or something, you know, unless you absolutely have to. It'll all still work fine, you know? Yeah, your, your older, your older yeah. version of the OS will typically be just fine. Yeah, I mean, to their credit, there's not that much stuff that, like, stops working. Like, on my, the ancient iPad 2 that mainly we use for my daughter... Um, I, I, we use it for so few things. I maybe I wouldn't notice it, but it seems to be functioning fine. It still plays music fine. All the stuff that it needs to do. See, I made the mistake of upgrading uh, Cash's iPad to seven. So when eight came out, I upgraded it to that just to get away from seven because eight has been so much better on my uh, on my phone. How to do? It's it's okay. It's does he didn't notice, which is the barometer of how well the, the OS is. We got right. him Goat Simulator and that's hmm. been his new obsession uh, besides Lego Star Wars and Goat Simulator works. So that was the big, Goat that was Simulator. a big concern. Yeah. Hmm. Have you played that? No. Goat Simulator. Let me tell you about the last thing I like and then I, I have two other things I wanted to go over but I know we're running short on time. Okay. 
Uh, the last thing I'll tell you about is a really cool site called ShareFile, sharefile.com. And uh, this, here's what happens. A lot of people, uh, they use something, you know, they, they use something like Dropbox or they try to email or they do something. And a lot of the time, if you have a large file, especially if that file is something that's important along the lines of like a spreadsheet or a contract or a photo or Photoshop file that you've been working on or something that's maybe needs to be secure that, you know, it's an accounting thing or it has personal documents in it that you might not want to just put anywhere. You might want it to be fairly secure. Well, that's where ShareFile is really, really great. Uh, this is the thing. These guys, they do all of the encryption. They make this super, super secure. And they make it so that you can get these files pretty much anywhere that you are. And this is a pay service. But for a 30-day uh, free trial, you can go to sharefile.com. They put a little microphone up there for us. And you type in the code BTW. They're with a T. That's fine. That's all right. BTW, you click the microphone, put BTW up there, and you're going to get a 30-day free trial so you can really, really see what this is. You don't have to worry about file size restrictions or bounce backs in emails or security breaches. None of that stuff is an issue. You can get started today. This, again, is a special 30-day free trial at sharefile.com. Click on the microphone. Code is BTW. And uh, and thank you very much to ShareFile for supporting uh, 5 by 5 and uh, back to work with Merlin Mann. Go check these out. This is what we're using now whenever we want to send something securely somewhere. Yeah, so. thank you very much. That's very cool, though. I think really that's nice first service. time sponsorship here. Yeah, welcome very nice welcome to the family. So the, the things that I want to talk about are not really productivity-related uh, here. I didn't know if you had more iOS stuff or if you No, were no, fine. I'm good. So two, two things happened. Uh, the first one of them is um, my daughter, who's three, uh, she needed a new dress. So I took her to, we have a store here, I'm sure you've heard of it, called H&M, mm-hmm. where you can buy a, a child's dress for $5. It's new. And it will last almost as long as, uh, as they will be able to wear it for because kids, they seem to grow quickly. So I took her there and... I, she's three years old and I don't know where she learned this, if she learned it, if it's just innate, but she would look at something like a dress or a pair of little, little ballet slipper shoe things. And she would say, Oh, that's so cute. And she'd run over to it and then she'd see Aww. something else. And she'd say, but this is about clothing though. Mm-hmm. So she's already got this thing. And I wanted to know, does, does your daughter, does she do this? Is this just the thing that they do? Or is she, mm-hmm. where does that come from? It's freaking <laughs> me out. Well, I mean, I this is the first normal. time she's been in a store like this. Oh, really? The first time you've gotten that? I think it's pretty normal for any little kid. No, I, we've like normally, you know, the, my wife will just go and buy her stuff from, you know, like the Gap or uh, ba- Old Navy or the Target or something. Like, because she you're grows saying, you're out saying specifically with clothes? You're with not, clothes and shoes and s- things like But you that. already get that with stuff like stuffed animals though, right? Yes. But this okay. is, she's now directing this toward cute being like a pair of red high heels. Right. And That's I, uh, pretty normal. Yeah. I just... It, it just was okay. So then the second thing is this, uh, and 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 this could be a whole show in and of itself. Up until now, Cash is he's six years old. He's been using an iPad since he was two or three. He came home the other day and he sat down. He said, "Dad, there's something I want to talk to you about." I said, "All right." 
He said, I would like for you to teach me how to use a computer. Oh, interesting. And I said, I've been waiting about seven years for you to say that. And he says, do you know about computers? I said, yes, I know a lot about them. I've been using Doesn't them Doesn't he play Minecraft? On his iPad. Oh, I see. Okay. And I said, I said, I'm very excited that you want to learn about computers. What would you like to learn? He says, everything. Wow. So this is a big deal. So the first thing we did was we used GarageBand on the computer and he laid down some beats. That sounds very exciting. It's interesting that like that's uh, a thing with your, you become a different sort of hobbyist today. Yeah. Than when we were kids to want to use uh, a computer. But it's like a separate thing. Oh, you no know? question. My daughter keeps trying to touch the screen to manipulate everything. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like sounds like some kind of throwaway joke, but you know, again, this is straight back to what we were talking about three hours ago, where you know, <laughs> it's different for for you and me. It's really, really, it's different. It's easy to forget. There's a thing that happens every school year where you know that you always hear the lists of stuff that didn't exist or stuff that's changed. You know, since the time this class was born. So you know, 18 years ago this kind of thing was happening, you know, and it's, it's easy to kind of laugh those things off, but I mean, things have changed so much since, since even the late nineties, it's, it's kind of hard to even understand. Like I, I, a computer must seem very cumbersome to a kid. That would have to. I mean, there's still all kinds of stuff that I would much rather do on my laptop or on my desktop than, um, I don't know, iOS device. But again, think about them things that you're motivated to want to do. People who have, come of age using handheld devices, um, they're, they're probably, they, hmm, how can I put this without sounding like a completely old man, but they haven't grown up saying like, oh, in order to use this computer, I need to write programs for it. Or in order to use this computer, I have to know how to install programs on it. They don't, have, they don't know any of that stuff. They have grown up mastering this other kind of device where the other kind to them, I imagine, must feel just very cumbersome and weird and abstract compared to directly manipulating objects on an iOS device or, you know, handheld device. Right. I never, I never taught him how to use an iPad. I just handed it to him and he watched me tap an app and then he put his hands on it and it worked. You know what I mean? And he knows so much about how to use it in some cases, like especially with the games and, the, and, and stuff that he plays. I've never taught him how to do that. Once in a while before he could read, he'd say, what does is, what is this button say? And I'd say, oh, that says start. And this one right, says pause right, right. or whatever. But now he can read, so he can figure that kind of thing out. But like the idea of going to a computer, it's funny. We had this, uh, we have an iMac that's primarily my wife's computer. And, uh, but it's the home, it's the home computer. And he, and I said, he's like, well, where will you take me to teach me how to use a computer? I said, well, I'll show you on the, the iMac downstairs. He's like, Oh, right. Like he had to, he, and he's quite smart, but like he had to put this together that, mm -hmm. right. oh yeah, that's a computer too. Not just the ones at school and at your work, but like we have one here, you know? And, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's a completely different mindset of like, okay, there's a keyboard. And he knew he's like, I need to make a password for this, don't I? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, what should that be? You know, it's, it's a very different kind of interface. So different that to us, with, who, for whom iPads, they all came much, much, much later. For him, 
it's a step backwards and it's a step to something that is more cumbersome to, to use the perfect word that you used. It's more cumbersome. There's more steps. There's other things to do. Uh, there are peripherals, you know? There's so many things like that. I mean, like we, uh, we're just not a big telephone family to begin with, but like I think about the amount of time my daughter has spent on the phone versus the amount of time I'd spent on the phone by her age. Because there's so much stuff you had to do on a phone. Uh, talking to relatives. Uh, like if you wanted to order food to be delivered. Like yeah. I do that with an app. I've been doing that with an app for years. I very rarely have to call somewhere to to have food delivered. And I'm actually much more likely to do that if I can do it with an app because it's easier. 10 years ago, your kid would have already logged several years on the computer because that's where the computer games were. That's where all that stuff was. But, you know, in, in, in the case of something like the phone, I mean, there's always the running joke of everybody... And the first time that their kid sees a payphone, having to explain what that is, it sounds like some kind of ridiculous Irma Bombeck thing, but it's true. They've never had occasion to use one of those filthy public phones. But now think about the latest version of iOS. You know, like I've been trying to teach my kid how to use Siri because she is, uh, her, her reading is getting really good, um, finally. Um, she's kind of a perfectionist, so she never wants to like let on until she's already good at it. Oh, yeah. But, she's, but her, her reading is good. She can read tons of stuff. But I also want to just show her you can hit the home button. And if you wanted to Google something, I want to encourage her to start Googling stuff or like doing Wolfram Alpha. I want to show her how to do that. The sooner she starts doing that, the sooner she gets the experience that I had of like having an encyclopedia or a dictionary. Like I want her to feel good about that. It's that easy, right? But then also think about I I accidentally sent this to somebody the first day I had iOS. But the thing where you put your finger down on the microphone in the messaging app and you can just record something and let go and it just sends it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a part of me that thinks that that almost walkie-talkie-like approach for some people, that's going to become extremely popular. Oh, yeah. Because it's so much faster even than typing. It's way faster than typing. It doesn't have the commitment or obligation of a phone call. It's... But, for, but for you and me now, that's, that's obviously a novelty. That's yeah. a new, that's a fun thing. Right. Well, somebody was born last week who is going to be using that as their primary method of communicating. When you first got an iPhone, I couldn't believe, I mean, my problem on the iPhone initially was I kept trying to type like it was my old Samsung phone, instead of letting mm. the autocorrect work for me. Mm -hmm. and I had to learn autocorrect. It's a different way of typing than touch typing. On, on, on Anyway, I'm just trying to say that those changes are happening so quickly. They're happening so quickly that it's easy for us to forget. Suddenly I'm a futurist. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's easy for us to forget that, you know, what is that now? Seven years ago, we, we got the iPhones. And in that amount of time, there's, there's full-grown kids in, you know, first, first or second grade who think that the parent device, the computer, already seems pretty archaic. The parent device. The parent device. No, that's really interesting. I think it was Seth Godin who was writing, uh, a, you know, a kind of musing on the idea that are we becoming people who will no longer really have the tools to create, you know, and he was saying, do people, you know, it's that strange argument of do people create on an iPad or on an iOS device, but... He was kind of taking it a little more technically than that. And, and listening to what you're saying, it's funny because, you know, we if you remember the progress of these devices that we carry in our pockets, they started out, they were just phones. You know, I, what, what, show, what movie was this that I was just watching where someone was having their phones hooked up? Oh, right. The Firm. You remember this movie, Tom Cruise movie? Mm -hmm. One of the perks of this amazing house that he got as a side effect of get taking this job was they were like, there was a crew of people like installing stuff in their new house and they've got the phone guy installing a phone for them. 
and asking what numbers they would like on speed dial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the, the next thing that happens is we have cell phones. You had to, some of them you could program in the frequently called numbers, you know, and it just the idea of this, this evolution, right, from a physical phone where you just had to talk to an operator to connect you and then you could dial it yourself and then you could, it had things on speed dial and then, you know, you've got phones with you and this evolution. Or star, that we're, star 69, all those kinds of things. That yeah. Came yeah. And the evolution of all of this down to the fact that now people aren't, they're not even typing necessarily correctly the phone is knowing what they want to type it's now predicting and suggesting the next word that they have to type how long do we have to go where you know we don't even need to know how to type at all we well, won't the, even need to type the part you know? that people leave the the, the problem that the phony baloney futurists leave out a lot of the time and there's a thread that's gone through all of this uninformed chat we've been having for the last five hours it's the fact that we I can lose track of the fact that people change and people evolve very quickly too. We can evolve in the one way to like learn a new technology quicker than we might imagine. But we also have to remember that, that new people are being born and introduced to these things all the time who will interact with this in the most natural way that they can. And that doesn't mean that they're dumb because they can't paint a painting. So, you know, our, our very definition of what we call creating things is, is going to change too. You know, it's it's really arrogant to think we're that much it's really arrogant to think that, that some of us are that much smarter than other people or that, you know, or, or, or that like we represent this old guard of people who understand the, the, the classics and the canon and all these other people are dummies using emojis on Facebook. That's not really exactly how it works. Yeah. No, there's not any generation that's been that much smarter or dumber than another, I don't think. But we do adapt to the kinds of tools that we have. You know, I mean... There are, are, are almost certainly still learned people who feel that they have to read three physical newspapers a day mm. to feel well-informed. But I bet you a lot of those people, uh, I bet there's a lot fewer than there were five or 10 years ago. And does that mean they're dumber today because they don't read three, three to five physical newspapers a day? I don't know. Ask them. I bet they don't think they're that much dumber. I bet they found another way to get that information or the kinds of information that they need has vastly changed. And now they've outsourced some portion of that cognitive processing to other places. So does that make them dumb? I doubt it. It's the, the dumb thing is to get so fixed in your idea of what intelligence and technology and its interaction means that you lose track that all of those things are constantly evolving. And it's, it's a subtle enough change that we wake up one day and go, wow, Friends was on TV 20 years ago. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it's that slow. To go from like appointment viewing to like, you know, I've never heard of that because it's not on my iPhone. Like that's, that's all changing so quickly. And, you know, one way to not feel that constant future shock is to just remember that there's, there's little kids that are doing different stuff every day. And every day somebody is born who's never seen the Flintstones. <laughs> oh God. Hour and 46 minutes. Dan, are there any more sponsors? No. I'm winded. Are frankly. you? I feel, yeah, good. I feel like I'm just getting uh, started. Just getting it on. I, I, yeah, I should probably have some more liquids. My Fluid. daughter wants a guitar now, though. She's, she started playing my guitar. That's awesome. I showed her an A5, and she can almost kind of do oh it. Oh, my God. Well, an A5, I was trying to think, what's the easiest chord for somebody with little hands to be able to do? I went through all the ones. So, like, you could do an E minor. Yeah, I was just going to say. But those are kind of hard to push down. Mm, the lower, it's a, the heavier strings, yeah. And it's a sad chord. Whereas an A5... You can also slide that up the neck. Mm. You can do some stuff. So I have a picture of her here looking like she's playing a cello. Um, she's not doing it with her, her pinky on the A5, though. 
No, no, she's not a monster. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man. Yeah.